If you have your Bible, turn in, turn in your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 1. If you don't have the Bible, the Bible with you, you can look on the inside cover of the bulletin, inside back cover, there the verses we're going to be looking at are there. And also a place to take notes. Our focus is going to be verses 13 and 14 today of 2 Timothy chapter 1, but we're going to read from verse 8 just to catch the context. So this is 2 Timothy 1, verses 8 through 14. Friends, listen, this is God's word. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. This is God's word. So we're in a series looking at how to gain God's strength in our suffering. And the suffering that Paul and Timothy are going through is the suffering that comes from following Jesus in a culture where most other people are not following Jesus. Um, but even though that's what it's directed toward, the principles that we're learning from their situation applies to all kinds of suffering in all of life. And, uh, and so just as a review, here's what we've seen so far. Uh, first, we've seen that suffering is normal. Right? It's normal. Second, we've seen, hey, here's your strength. It's through Jesus' work that Jesus endured ultimate suffering and has overcome it in his death and resurrection. He has conquered death and come out the other side and now lives a life that he shares with us, that life that lasts forever. Third, we see this is why we suffer. It's because God gives you the opportunity to show Jesus' death and resurrection. You get the privilege. I mean, dare we say that suffering is a privilege for us to be able to show the world what Jesus' strength looks like in life. When we honor God, and we have a hopeful attitude in suffering, we show that Jesus' strength is stronger than our suffering, and we then spread Jesus' hope. And then last week we saw that you're not alone. You're not alone in your suffering. Right? In the midst of our suffering, our strong confidence is that we know Jesus, the one who suffered for us, and we know that he cares for us through everything. And if you remember last week, we finished last week looking at this diagram. Remember this? We got your plan up on top, and we have God's plan down below. And we saw that God's plan is different from ours, right? It's different because it's different because God wants to strengthen us. Our plan is to ride through life at an easy pace where nothing challenging happens. And with our plan at the end of our life, we're weak and untested, and we haven't really accomplished anything worthwhile. Okay, but God wants so much more for, for us. That. With God's plan, at the end of our life, we are strong, we are tested, and we are proven. We've accomplished great things. Our life tells a story that's actually worth telling. 
Our faith was strong enough to conquer suffering and struggle. And then our life is this great example because of the challenges that we've endured. And it tells a great story. So God isn't mean to allow all the obstacles in our path. God knows that the obstacles are exactly what enable us to be the strongest people that we can be. And this means suffering is a chance. Again, it showed Jesus' strength. Okay, so this is what we saw last week. We sort of ended here. Last Sunday night, I was tucking Ryan into bed. He's eight and a half. And we were just talking about this diagram in particular. And he asked this question. He said, so, Dad, what does it actually mean to follow God's plan? Like, what does it mean to climb the rocks and cross the bridge and do all that? I thought, well, that's a great question. Um, and that's actually the question that Paul answers in verses 13 and 14. So what does it look like for you to live God's plan? That's what these verses are answering, okay? And so this is the question that's in your bulletin in the notes section. Um, what does it mean to follow God's plan, especially when you're suffering? And so the answer is, what does it look like? It means for you to embrace your mission, okay? It means to embrace your mission. And you have a mission in life. Timothy had a mission in life. And in verses 8 through 18, Paul is trying to get Timothy to embrace his mission or to re-embrace his mission. Suffering and the fear of suffering have, have tempted Timothy away from embracing and living his mission. And these verses show practically what it means for Timothy to embrace his mission in light of suffering. And so for you too, you have a mission. Okay, you're not the pastor of a church like Timothy was, but you have a mission, and your mission is lived out in three places. Okay, your mission is lived out in three places, at home, at work, and in your community. So when you think about your mission in life, I want you to think about three places. I want you to think about your home, your work, and your community. And in these two verses, verses 13 and 14, Paul describes how to embrace your mission. We're going to see it in three ways. Not in these three ways, but these three ways we're going to see how to embrace your mission at home, at work, uh, and in the community. And so first, what Paul says, he says, follow the pattern. Right? In verse 13. It says, follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me. So there's a pattern of life that Paul has shown Timothy. Paul describes Timothy's mission as following the pattern of sound words. See that? Just that phrase, sound words. The, the word sound is really important because it can also be translated healthy. Healthy. Paul is saying, look, follow the pattern of healthy teaching that you've heard from me. It's like Paul is speaking like a physical or a spiritual fitness trainer. Okay? He's a spirit, he's a spiritual fitness. He's saying, look, Timothy, I want you to be strong in suffering. I don't want you to be so weak that you can't endure this. I want you to grow and to be strengthened and to endure this suffering. And he says, I want you to remember that the, teaching, the teachings of Jesus can cause you to thrive. Can cause you to thrive. And so when I think about the healthy words that Timothy has heard, um, it actually reminds me of Kaiser Permanente. You know, every time I hear the word thrive, Think about these radio commercials, right? I think they were genius. They were genius. And, um, and so here's, here's just a couple lines from one radio commercial. When you hear this one, you'll remember probably all of them that you've heard. 
But you have this lady who actually sounds like the president of Trader Joe's. I was wondering if that was the same lady's voice, but, um, but I don't know. But anyway, this is what she said. This is what she said. She said, we believe in broccoli. We're pro-antioxidant. In SPF 30, we trust. We believe in cold turkey, the patch, and the gum. We're for the treadmill, the extra cycle, and the elliptical. You know, and so she just goes on and on and on, talking about what we're for, right? And at the end of every one of these commercials, she always ends by saying, we want you to live well and thrive. Thrive. And so whether or not Kaiser Permanente can actually deliver this experience of thriving, <laughs> What they're, what they're saying is really compelling, right? They are positioning themselves not just as a hospital where you go to fix yourself when you get sick. They're saying that they want, that, that if you are part of their network, that they're seeking to promote a way of life where your quality of life is radically enhanced. Are you with me? I mean, that's what they're saying. Be part of us, and you will live this life of thriving. So not just getting through life, in life. Now this is what the Bible means with the phrase sound words. Okay? That's what Paul's talking about. He's saying follow the pattern of the sound words. He's saying these are words of health. He's saying it's not just to fix you when you sin, but it's to make you thrive spiritually. That's what the Bible's teaching is all about. Okay? If you think that the Bible is anything less than that, then you're just not understanding it the right way. Okay, the Bible's design is that you would spiritually thrive. And Jesus even says this, doesn't he? He said, I came that you would have life. And 2,000 years before Kaiser Permanente, he said, this life that you would have, I want you to live it abundantly. And so Jesus has come, his teachings promote abundant life. It's abundant life. And so what exactly is this? pattern of healthy words. Well, simply put, it's living like Jesus. Okay? It's living like Jesus. It's following Jesus' pattern of life at home, at work, and in your community. But I don't know what you think about when you think about living like Jesus. Uh, so many of us immediately go to thinking about moral issues. Right? I want to have my morality reflect Jesus' morality. And I would say it's not less than that. It certainly includes that, but I think it's a lot more than that. Following Jesus doesn't simply mean morality in the way you conduct yourself. This pattern of sound or healthy words also means that your life will follow the pattern of Jesus' life. Okay, it'll follow the pattern of Jesus' life. But what is that pattern? What was the pattern of Jesus' life? The pattern of Jesus' life was suffering unto glory. Suffering unto glory. When the Bible talks about being predestined to be conformed to the image of God's Son, it's not just saying that God's going to predestine you to look and act and talk like Jesus. But what Romans 8.29 is saying there in that passage when he says that God has predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son, what God is saying there is that he has predestined you to live a life that looks and follows the pattern of Jesus. And Jesus' pattern was suffering unto glory. 
So this actually is the pattern of sound words. This is the path that leads to abundant life. Okay, this leads to our strongest life. If you want to be spiritually strong, it's going to be suffering unto glory. If you want to feel close to God, it's going to be suffering unto glory. Right? John Jackson last week has felt closer to God because he's been going through the suffering that he has ever felt in his life. The testimony today from the care team was this individual who has never felt closer to God. They are suffering unto glory. And so this isn't a life of ease, right? But it's suffering unto glory. This is the life that brings the greatest spiritual health for you. It brings you, like I said, closest to God. It's the life also that shows Jesus the most. It shows him the most, and it knows him the most. So this is something you can write down. But something under glory shows Jesus best, and it knows Jesus best. This is so important for us to understand. The pattern of Jesus' life was suffering unto glory. The pattern of Paul's life was suffering unto glory. The path that Paul is trying to convince Timothy to re-embrace is one that doesn't run away from suffering, but embraces suffering unto glory. And this is what God wants for us to embrace as well. Now, suffering unto glory doesn't mean all suffering now and glory only in the future. Okay? This doesn't mean that life has to be awful. Now, glory begins in this life. The Bible says we get a strong foretaste of the glory that is to come in the future. We get to experience great joy, and there is so much that we have to celebrate in this life. Right? We celebrate God and who he is. We celebrate his presence. We celebrate that we know him. We celebrate that we are getting stronger in our faith. That we have the strength to endure difficult things. Right? We celebrate that. We celebrate, we celebrate life and all of its beauty. Uh, we celebrate community and the people that we know and love. And with every gift that we get, with every gift that God gives us, there's a tag on that gift that it says, Sometimes I think God wants to say, man, this, I'm just getting started. Like I'm just beginning to bless you the way I plan to bless you. There is so much more to come. And so recognizing this pattern of spiritual health, right, that it's suffering under glory, it helps us to remember that we are living God's plan for our lives. So when bad things happen, you can't immediately say, oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, this is a rocky cliff that I need to climb, right? Or this is a lake that I need to swim across. Or this is a bridge that's precarious, right? You think about that pattern. Like when something bad happens, it's really, I mean, it's very freeing and it's strengthening to say, oh, yeah, this is that thing, right? This is the suffering that I'm supposed to expect, right? This is a chance. This is an opportunity for me to suffer unto glory. Uh, and so 
embracing your mission means that we know our lives will include suffering unto glory, and this is the pattern that we're to follow. And so I want you to ask yourself this question. How can I show Jesus in my suffering at home, at work, and in my community? What are the ways that you can show Jesus in the midst of your suffering? You want to think through that. You want to write something down. You want to just realize that this is going to take commitment to follow the pattern of sound words, to follow the pattern of Jesus' life, suffering and glory means how can we show Jesus in our suffering, at home, at work, in our community? Because Jesus is saying, this is what abundant life looks like. This is what abundant life looks like. Begins in this life is better than next. So, Paul reminds Timothy to follow the pattern. But then secondly, Paul warns Timothy to guard the deposit. Okay? It says, follow the pattern of sound words you've heard from me. And then in verse 14, he says, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. So guard the good deposit. The sound words, the healthy words remind us of the path that leads to abundant life. Guarding the deposit is a warning to not stray from that. God's deposits. What is God's? What is this deposit? Well, this is God's mission for your life. Okay. And so, oops. so this is so guarding deposit means the deposit is your mission in all of life. Okay. And so guarding it is protecting it. So the idea, the picture here is that God has deposited in you a calling. He has given you a calling, and that calling is to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, which means put him first and honor him in everything. And then to love your neighbor as yourself. This is the great commandment that Jesus gave. This is the summary of the whole Bible, right? You can read this whole thing, or you can read two verses. <laughs> and if you can grab those two verses and hold on to them, that may be all you need. Um, but this is, this is your mission, to love God, to love others. And embracing this mission, um, Paul has taught Timothy that this includes suffering and glory, but now Paul is focusing on an incredibly important truth, okay? Uh, and that's this. What stands between us and thriving in our spiritual life is often an aversion to suffering. Is it what you think? Yeah. Okay? Are you with me? Right? What often stands between you and the abundant life that Jesus offers, the abundant life that Jesus promises for you, is this: is that we have in us an aversion to suffering. We don't want to suffer. We think that our life, that our best life, that God's will for us, doesn't include suffering. And what Paul is saying here, seeing the world the right way. That's not the world that Paul sees. That's not the world that Jesus saw. It's not the world that God sees. For us, we have this aversion to suffering for all kinds of reasons. Because it hurts, because it sucks, because it's awful, because it causes us to have all kinds of doubts. 
Um, but I think sometimes we just think, wait, wait, hold on. God's will would never include this. I just want to tell you, that's how you think you're wrong. You're wrong. The pattern of spiritually thriving is suffering unto glory. It includes suffering. It actually makes you so strong that you can embrace suffering and celebrate God in the midst of it. This is exactly what we've seen Paul do. Right? He's stuck in the Mamertine prison, waiting either to have his head chopped off or to be drowned in the toilet water of Rome. And Paul writes this letter to Timothy, trying to encourage Timothy to embrace his calling. Right? It should be the other way around, right? It should be Timothy saying, oh, Paul, that's okay. Jesus is with you. And Paul, you, know, you imagine Timothy going, man, I should have wrote this letter. <laughs> right? He's writing this to me. Like, wait, wait, something's wrong here. It's because Paul saw a world that we don't see. Paul is not averse to suffering because he knew, you know what? This means I'm following the pattern of healthy words. Following the pattern of Jesus. And so Paul's got to tell Timothy, guard this deposit, guard this mission in life, because guess what? We are constantly tempted. If this suffering and the glory is the path of life that we are to stay on and follow, we are constantly tempted to leave this path. We are constantly tempted to leave this path of suffering under the Lord. All kinds of things tempt us. There are things that make us think, you know what, if God really loves you, you wouldn't suffer. That's a temptation to leave the path of Jesus. Okay? There are things that say, no, you're too tired, no, you can't do this, or this isn't fair, or this isn't, I mean, whatever it is, right? These are all temptations to leave the path of suffering unto glory. So what God does, instead of us leaving the path, because usually um, we are tempted to leave the path because we want rest, right? We want a way out, we want a way to escape. And so we begin to believe a lie, that, oh, you know, if we just leave this, it won't be so hard. If we just compromise here, if we just choose it not suffer and not stay, not be patient, right? These are ways that we get tempted. As we follow this path of suffering and glory, I think the Bible gives us a picture that, you know what, that Jesus is actually on this path. He never leaves this path. And so if we leave this path, we're not ever going to find him. When we leave, he's not there. He's back on the path. And Jesus actually can give us rest along the way. He gives us rest on the path. And sometimes it's his presence. Sometimes it's his word. Sometimes it's people. It's the church. It's our life group. It's our friendships where people meet us in the midst of our suffering and we feel like, oh, I'm understood. Oh, someone cares. Oh, you know? And, um, and so this is, so we're tempted. Paul says, don't leave. Guard the deposit. Guard this mission. Guard with your life. Because you're always, I mean, for Timothy, it seems like Timothy has left the path. And so Paul's trying to restore him to get him back on. Jesus is here. 
This is the road that leads to life. Even Jesus was tempted to leave the path. Right? You think about it in Matthew chapter 4, which is one of the ways uh, that the devil tempted him. Chapter, chapter 4, verses 8 through 10, it says, The devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdom of the world and all their glory. And the devil said to Jesus, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And we read that and we're thinking, like, really? Like, did the devil think that was going to work? <laughs> like, how is that? Like, like, duh. Like, that's like number one of the Ten Commandments. You don't worship another god. And Like, so how does this make any sense? But I think the power in this is that what the devil is doing to Jesus is the devil is saying, look, I know you're Messiah. I know that you have come to save the world and to lead it. And I will give you everything that you came for without the cross. I'll give it to you right now. At the very beginning of your ministry, before any of the horror that's going to happen to you happens to you, I will give it to you right now. And so Jesus is on this path, suffering unto glory. And the devil says, you know what, I will give you what's at the end of the path if you will just said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. What's interesting about Jesus is quoting that is that Jesus is then showing us that saying yes to suffering is actually an act of worship. When you say, okay, God, I hate this, and I want you to know I hate this, but I'm going to see this as an opportunity for me to grow and to get stronger. That's an act of worship. Like, at that moment, what you're doing is you're saying, God, I hate this, but I love you more. And that is worship that delights God. God says, God was really with me, it wouldn't be hard. It's like, no, it's suffering unto glory. You've got to guard this deposit. Guard this issue of loving him, loving others when it's difficult. Right? Keeping on that path of suffering unto glory. So, woven into these two verses, where Paul commands Timothy to follow the pattern of sound words, to guard the good deposit, woven into these two commands is gospel truth, right? It can give us strength. And so that's the last thing that we're going to see. So we've seen follow the pattern, suffering the glory, guard the deposit, it's your mission in all of life. And three, Paul says, live the gospel. This is Christ for you and you and through you. For you and you and through you. So in these verses where Paul tells Timothy what to do, Paul always reminds Timothy of what Jesus has already done. 
Okay, look at this. Look at this with me. Christ worked for us. We saw this a few weeks ago in verses 9 and 10. Look at verses 9 and 10. It says, Then God saved us and called us with a holy calling, not because of what we've done, not because of our work, but because of his own purpose and grace that he gave us in Christ Jesus. Right? So it's not about what we do. It's not earned. Jesus comes and does this for us. And what has he done? Verse 10, he abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. This is Christ's work for us. Jesus does things that we cannot do. We don't have the strength to endure suffering, but Jesus did. And so he abolished death and brought life and immortality to life. This is Christ's work for us. Well, then here in verses 13 and 14, we see Christ's work in us. Right? This is the work of Christ underneath the command. He says, follow the pattern of sound words that you've heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. In the faith and love. So, I don't have enough faith. I don't have enough love for this person. That's okay. Because there is an inexhaustible supply of faith and love in Jesus. And he is in you. You are in him. Right? His love has been poured into your heart so that you overflow. And when you remember his love and you believe that his love is in you, guess what happens? You begin to love other people. Even the ones that you can't love. When you start thinking through, wait a second, I hate this person. What do I do? Well, how have I treated Jesus and how has he treated me? This is part of the Lord's prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. How many sins has Jesus forgiven you? How many sins has this other person committed against you? Right? It's the faith and love that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 14. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the new deposit and trust in Right, so how do you guard? How do you embrace your mission and stay true? How do you stay on this path? It's by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Right, by yourself, you cannot do this, but you're not by yourself anymore. Right, you have the presence of God in you. When you believe in Jesus, God's Spirit comes and dwells in your heart. And so when you get an offer to lead the path, sometimes you hear something like, you probably shouldn't do this. Right? That's the presence of the Holy Spirit. Right? Reminding you. That's your conscience. When the Spirit is reminding you of what is good, what is bad, what's right, what's wrong. And He is your strength. You don't have enough strength. But you have the Holy Spirit who gives you His strength. So Christ worked for us. Christ worked in us. And then Christ worked through us. This is the command. Right, when we trust Christ's work for us and in us, we then can embrace his work through us. His, his, the commands are his work through us. What does it look like to have Jesus living through us, to live by his power, by his love, by his faith? Right? Well, it looks like us following the pattern of sound words. And so it looks like you deciding, I'm going to embrace suffering and glory. So practically, what should you do about this? 
So I invite you to just commit today to yourself and to God. To this path of suffering of the Lord. This way, you don't have to be surprised when you suffer anymore. This way, it doesn't have to, that is to startle you when bad things happen. Because you know what? I'm committed to this. And you can do that. If you can say, okay, I'm willing to commit to this, this pattern of suffering and the glory, your life will change. Your life will change. Your attitude will change. Um, when you realize that this isn't just the pattern of Jesus, but it's actually abundant life. Uh, when you walk on this path, you'll find Jesus here. You will find yourself closer to him, more aware of him, filled with more of him. And then it gets exciting. Then you actually can celebrate. And you can say with Paul that the sufferings of this life aren't even worth comparing to the glories that we revealed. So yeah, the one thing I'd ask you to do is just to embrace that this is the path that God has for you that leads to your spiritual thriving. It includes suffering. It includes suffering. I saw this article on Donald Miller's Storyline website. Got a picture, yeah. It's a storm. This is what the article said. It says, storms provide the United States over 50% of their rainfall. I didn't know that. Over 50% of the rainfall in the United States comes from storms. This rainfall gives rain to plants, lakes, and reservoirs. Winds from storms create life by distributing seeds and pollen while removing old and weak vegetation to make room for new growth. When lightning strikes, it actually liberates nitrates that help fertilize the soil. Storm updrafts remove large amounts of pollution while storm rainfall washes more pollution out of the air. Storms don't just destroy, they heal. Storms bring life. Storms bring life. And when we go through them, we are stronger and more life giving. Let's pray together.
with nail prints in his hands and feet, with the lacerations on your back, the spear wound in your side. Help us to see you saying, this is the way. This is the way that leads to abundant life. Give us the strength and the courage that we need to follow you in your path. If you're here today and you're ready to make this commitment to Jesus, whether you're a Christian or not, if you're ready to make this commitment that suffering under glory is the path that leads to life, if you're willing to accept that God knows what he's doing, then pray this with Father, I trust you. Father, I am done making my own way forward. I confess that I have an aversion to suffering. And I'm going to let that go. I want to follow Jesus in suffering of the glory. Thank you that this can speak to my suffering. joy to know that you're on this path with me. Help me not to be surprised by my suffering, but to embrace it. And help me to see how you live life through it. In Jesus' name.